This is an ABC podcast. Lock the doors. We would expect to see some rather concerning numbers for a while. I will continue to stand up for these regions that I know and love. We know how important it is for the parliament to meet. Isolation, testing. Being bored is much better than being in intensive care. Hello and welcome to The Party Room. I'm Patricia Carvellis, the host of RN Drive and Afternoon Briefing on the ABC News Channel. And I'm Frank Kelly from RM Breakfast and PK soon will be joined by Phil Curry from the Australian Financial Review to discuss the biggest story actually in the world right now, which is the US presidential election. As we record this, the counting of ballots goes on, the results still too close to call, though several TV networks now have Joe Biden in the box seat, one state short, it would seem, of those 270 electoral college votes. That's a magic number you need to become president in the United States of America. But before we get into that and how it might impact here on us and our interests. Let's dive into one of the major stories out of Canberra this week. Yeah, that's right. This week, uh, the government took a step towards forming a federal anti-corruption agency. Now, the government, for for those who, who don't recall, has been under massive pressure uh, from, look, a range of people, but the opposition, the crossbench, others to release details of their plans because we know that they've had the legislation for a year. They've said the pandemic is the reason, of course, they haven't you know, done much on consulting on it. So two years after they first promised a watchdog, the Attorney General Christian Porter says it'll have greater powers than a royal commission. It will have the power to compel people to give sworn evidence at hearings with a maximum penalty of two years for failure to comply. It'll have the power to search people in their houses or seize property under warrant. It'll have the power to arrest people. So it sounds pretty bold and significant, but let's run through the actual details of what it can do. So essentially what they released was 390 pages of draft laws that were published on on Monday There are going to be two divisions, one investigating enforcement agencies like the federal police, immigration officials, those kinds of things. The tax office goes in there, strangely. Yep. (laughs) And the other looking at the public sector and actual politicians, members of parliament. Now, politicians aren't going to be facing public hearings under the proposal. The reason, Christian Porter says, is because it would be weaponised by political opponents. It would be used as a political football. The government says it that that would not be a fair way to proceed. And as we've said, this is originally unveiled in 2018, but but it's set to take at least another six months to actually implement. So that's the basic architecture. There's a, clearly a lot more detail, and you can look up all the details on the ABC News site. But that's the architecture. Fran, it hasn't really made everyone happy, though, has it? No. And um, and that's not that, that thing about the public hearings. That's the big thing, because we're used to watching on as the New South Wales ICAC grills people. And, you know, that attracts a lot of attention. But it also causes a lot of people extreme embarrassment and often ends up in no convictions being laid or anything. So the government's not happy with that. But it's not the only problem that people have with this. Uh, another concern is, for instance, that public officials, politicians, and the like would only be investigated by the CIC, that is Commonwealth Integrity Commission, if their behaviour they're accused of is criminal. Now, that's a very high bar to jump, PK. It means essentially, you know, if a court of law would likely to convict on a criminal offence, so not just improper behaviour or misappropriation of funds or power that might meet another high bar generally agreed as corrupt behaviour. And there is another problem too um, that some see with the government's model in that only agencies can refer 
public officials and politicians to this CIC, so a whistleblower can't draw the Commission's attention to bad behaviour, uh, which you know seems a very limited way of being able to draw the Commission's attention to something. The Attorney-General keeps reminding us that Labor's referred the conduct, I think it's 10 coalition MPs or something, to the Australian Federal Police, so they say this is, this is a measure to stop vexatious referrals, but actually what it closes down is a whole lot of eyewitnesses to potential bad behaviour being able to result in any kind of inquiry. So, PK, this is not the only model being proposed. There is a model on the table already from independent MP Helen Haynes. She introduced her bill last month, which does more closely reflect the way some of the state corruption commissions operate. But to get this bill into law, the government needs the Senate. To that... The likes of Jackie Lambie could be key, Patricia. Now, Jackie Lambie has already warned the government that any integrity commission would need more teeth than jaws. That's her words, not mine. And she says the government's model is more a lapdog with dentures. In other words, she's not a fan. There's no task force. This is as weak as water. This is not satisfactory whatsoever. They're not serious about doing this. They're not serious about stopping this. So... You know, it, it, it will end up going down and then they'll go out to the media and they'll go, oh, you know what, the rest of the, the parliament didn't want a, didn't mm. want an ICAC. They didn't want this this done. That's what they're going to do. They're going to turn it back around on us because theirs is not good enough because they haven't done the job properly. Haven't done the job properly, Fran. So pretty strong words there from Jackie Lambie. And I think it does give a bit of a sense of how the crossbench feels. I also spoke to Rex Patrick, for instance, uh, South Australian senator, who who also raised concerns around the kind of what, way this looks. I mean, not, not in the same and not as strong terms as Jackie Lambie, but because his view is that it's better than nothing, but it's still uh, not good good enough. And that's going to be the key question, right, whether it's better than nothing um, or not, and how the crossbench responds and how the government then reacts about whether it sort of steps away if they make demands for changes um, or not. And Mm. I think that's a really interesting one because the bigger debate is are they secretly not very enthusiastic about this anyway? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah they're going right. through the motions and then, oh, yeah, we said, we're gonna, here it is, six months. And they're not kind of going to die in a ditch to get it through anyway. That's the big question, isn't it, Fran? Well, that's clearly what Jackie Lambie thinks. And I think we should explore that with our guest to the party room today, Phil Curry, when he comes up in a while. Um, but, Pika, I do think it's worth noting that um, Jackie Lambie, certainly in that chat she did with me on breakfast, also Jeffrey Watson, SC, who was uh, part, one of the council who w- was part of ICAC New South Wales for a while, he agreed with Jackie Lambie in the view that that no Commonwealth Integrity Commission is better than this Commonwealth Integrity Commission. They both seem to think that this would make things worse, not better. So I think that's interesting. But we'll discuss that with Phil. Let's bring him in, shall we? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's bring in our guest this week. Phil Curry is the political editor at the Australian Financial Review and a friend of the party room. Welcome mm. back. Hi, hi, guys. How are you? Good I'm up. very well. Friend of the party Sorry. room. I love that description. <laughs> well, he is a friend of ours too. Look, let's let's just continue in our conversation we were just having actually, Phil, on the Commonwealth mm-hmm. Integrity Commission because, you know, the government unveiled, obviously, its legislation, its architecture. Jackie Lambie was really critical and mm-hmm. essentially suggested that the government had put up a model that it's not necessarily, you know, going to fight for too hard, that if it all falls over, that it'd probably be pretty happy about that. Is that your read, that, that you know, if, if they, they 
make demands, the crossbench for changes, the government's probably not going to be sort of fighting hard to make sure something gets through. Yeah, and just, sorry, Phil, before you come in, yeah. not just not happy about, but then can basically blame the Senate for, for blocking it. Hmm. I actually have a different view. I think Labor will pass it. Um, and the crossbench Whoa. won't have anything to do with it because Labor will say, look, it's better than nothing and if we get into power, we'll give it teeth. Uh, I suspect that's what will happen um, because why wouldn't they? Are they really going to block it because it's not strong, in their view, not strong enough? And I also suspect too that, um, you know, Labor as the alternative government is probably also mindful of the need uh, to, you know, temper this thing a bit because, you know, I mean, the government says it quite openly, you can't have these things being used as star chambers. I mean, if you've got any sort of corruption commission in politics, and we've seen with ICAC has been misused in the past, people have had their careers destroyed for not doing anything wrong. So clearly Porter has urged, urged, if you like, or lent on the side of caution in designing this one, too much caution, according to you know, most people. Um so I suspect Labor, you know, it's it's easy now to criticise it from opposition, but they probably don't want anything much more robust if they're in government either, so it can't be used to smear and destroy reputations uh, without substance. So I, my, my guess is Labor will back it and just, you know, and toughen it up if elected. And I reckon the crossbench will just, you know, have nothing to do with it. Okay, that is actually mm. really interesting insight, Phil. But how can Labor it's get away with that? Okay, <laughs> he's admitted it's a guess. Because well, so. they'll say that. They'll say that. Look, you know, we've been calling for one of these for years. It's Labor policy to have an integrity commission. They took yeah. one to the 2019 election. You know, we don't think this one is, you know, good enough, but it's better than nothing. And we'll, we'll make it, you, you vote us and we'll give it teeth. And I suspect, no. you know, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? You've been around a long time, Phil Curry. Mm. You can see their game moves before we even get to them. That's what we love well, about they, you they here on the party room. <laughs> hey, um, Phil, let's I could move. be sorry. I could be spectacularly wrong, of course. But, yeah. Of course, but that's <laughs> a great thing. And then we we'll have... replay this to you often, over and over again. Often have been. Yeah. Um, Phil, let's move to the US. Uh, it's mm. really the only mm. story people are talking about today. Yeah. Uh, on election night, both candidates were confident, they said, but Donald Trump was actually claiming victory, even though there were still millions mm. of votes to be counted. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We feel good about where we are. We really do. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. There you had it. We knew it was going to come, and it did come. Phil, recording this on Thursday morning, Joe Biden is really closing in on the presidency at this point, but the count still goes on. Uh, there'll be recounts. There'll be legal challenges to play out. I was speaking to Michael Fullylove from the Lowy Institute earlier, Phil, and he says Joe Biden would be a better fit with the Australian government's interests because he's an internationalist, he believes in alliances, his instinct is to seek a more active role for America and the world. We know that's not Trump's instincts. And Joe Biden, of course, is also a unifier. Do you have any insight on what do we know about Scott Morrison's views on the outcome of this election? Look, he's not saying anything publicly, uh, Fran, and I haven't spoken to him privately about it. I mean, their, their, their sort of starting position was, uh, is, and we'll we'll work with whoever, um, you know, whoever wins. You know, the old sort of throwback line, the, the alliance is always bigger than whoever the leaders are. But uh -huh. inside government, I've spoken to a lot of people this week, 
yes, they would much they would rather on balance would much rather Biden. Someone said to me, look, about eighty five percent of the issues between Australia and the United States would be unchanged, but there would be um, those issues. Michael fully love uh, mentioned were the same ones people mentioned to me that. You know, one of you know one of our great hopes for sort of pushing back against China is is a strong regional alliances. You know, Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, Australia, the US, that sort of thing. And Trump is not an alliance builder; mm. he's just in it for himself. So Biden is an alliance builder. So yes, that they prefer him on that. They prefer him on world trade because we can. You know, we've seen the whole world global trading system come to the brink of collapse uh, as a combination of both the antics of Trump and 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 Xi Jinping and you know, the World Trade Organisation is essentially just this sort of moribund organisation at the moment, badly need a reform, and the US is holding up that reform. And someone in government said to me, another four years of Trump, there won't be a WTO. So, um, and, you know, Trump's just as, because he's, you know, his sort of narcissistic tendencies and when he puts himself first, extend to putting America first. So, you know, we've been yeah. constantly on edge as he's been doing these deals with China over trade as part of his own trade war. He doesn't care if he, you know, no. does something that costs us. No, he'll, that's he'll exactly sell, right. He'll, he'll sell out his allies in a minute. So, you know, we've and done very well. And that's a well. part of it too, the unpredictability. Mm. Like that's hard yes. for another government like Australian government to manage, isn't it? Well, you're always you're always on edge with the bloke, you know, and 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 you know, I've always liked to use the analogies, like the sort of you know the angry the angry drunk in the bar, you know, the bloke swaggers around with a wave in his glass of beer like a loaded gun. You just got to be nice to him so he doesn't yeah. hurt you. And and you know, we, we've now on two or three occasions had to sort of go cap in hand and 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 beg special exemptions because he wants to put ta- uh, tariffs on every steel and aluminium import yes. to the US, including ours. Now we've because we we have got a special relationship with him and. That's that's a product more of him just sort of dissing everyone else except us. <laughs> so we've, yeah. we've had this we've had this sort of privileged access, but we've, you know, I, I know I can tell you, Joe Hockey was just exhausted after three years of dealing with the White House. It, it's it, so they just don't want that anymore. They, they, they'd rather just something more stable, more reliable, more respectful, but they'd never say it publicly. But I think on the other the other the other big one is climate change. Yes. Um, again, like Biden will will immediately um, look uh, just quickly on trade. Biden's not he, he'll still be a protectionist. He won't join. The Trans-Pacific Partnership or anything like that, but he, you know, he won't be as destructive. But on climate change, he will rejoin the Paris Accord. He said that. Um, yes, because know, actually the timing of this mm, is so interesting. The day after the US election, America officially withdrew from the Paris mm, Climate Agreement. It took all that month, all that time, and that was the official deadline. So they're officially out now, and uh, mm, Joe Biden would bring them back in. You would think pretty quickly that mm, would have implications for Australia too, though. Well, it would have because it would put more pressure on our government to do more because already as you know, been reported in the last few days and weeks, um, you know, the British and the Europeans want us to sort of do more. Um, and if, you know, and, and one of the outlets has been the Americans have done nothing. You know, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're sort of halfway between. I spoke to someone in government a couple of days ago and, and he said, look, you know, there's actually, you know, there would be an opportunity because, look, Morrison is not against climate change. He's not an anti-climate change person like Abbott or something like that, but he's, you know, he, he doesn't go at it too hard because he's got that party to manage, but it would enable him to, you know, do th- sort of enter into agreements with the US on, you know, on technology, lowering mm. emissions with technology. They think they could see opportunities there. And as one of the moderates said to me, it would just give, and this was his words, the crazies in our show, um, you know, le- less of a less of a support because they they just, you know, the, the crazies is the denialists in, in inside the coalition. It gives them, they, they just point to Trump. He's, he's become their poster boy, right? Yeah, and that's if, right. And, and they and say. If he's no longer there. So it just, 
it gets it sort of gets us back, you know, sort of more with the majority. It yeah, gets us of, more into the sort of centre. Yeah. That's right. Look, and you I, mentioned, and you'll find Labor will be pushing that line very hard. Uh, you mentioned Joe Hockey, and uh, mm. of course, as you say, you know, he's Australia's former ambassador to the United States. He's remained there, and and he's actually given an interview with Two GB where he says electoral mm. fraud has for sure occurred in the United States. Um, you know, we know he's got a strong relationship, in, you know, that he built with Donald Trump. Um, and this comes after, you know, Donald Trump obviously threatened legal action, as he's, as he's saying, mm. and said that this is a fraud on the American public. So hockey now says, uh, you know, that the question is whether it's enough to change the election outcome. He says he doubts it is, to be fair. But he says mm. in Washington, D.C., 93% of the city voted for Joe Biden. I find it hard to believe What's he playing at here? Is this just because of this kind of relationship he has with? No, I, think, I, think he's at, I think he's at a Joe moment. Um, I think he has because because yeah, Matt Bevan I mean, tells me that that um, Washington's voted ninety percent Democrats yeah, for a long 92. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a bit like the ACT. You know, um, <laughs> I think we've just we just voted back a Labor Greens government for for uh, sure. It's uh, it's where bureaucrats are. They're, they're very sort of yeah. left leaning yeah. liberal people. It makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Look, look, I, I I do not dispute there's voter fraud. In America, you, if you've ever lived there and covered an election, their electoral system is just hideously bad, um, and, and just yeah, it's all different. It varies across states and counties. It's a pretty and, risky intervention uh, from our former ambassador, no, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Oh no, no, absolutely, yeah. No, but no, what I'm saying at, at a low level, local level, there, there'd be just I reckon the inaccuracy in a US election would be about ten percent when it comes to you know, you know, state governments who, mm. who deliberately disenfranch black voters by saying yeah. on the eve of the election, if you get an unpaid parking fine, you can't vote, and these sorts of things. I mean, the whole thing things rotten. But for Joe to say that on the back of what Trump said, I mean, that, that's a whole different thing. I mean, that's, you know, Trump, Trump Trump is desperate. That was disgraceful what he did. I mean, you know, he, he essentially just, look, he, he just undermined the whole democracy uh, there and then on Wednesday night when he just declared without foundation there'd been fraud and tried to have the vote counting stop. That's, that, that is just outrageous. Um, and so, you know, I think Joe should have been a lot more judicious with his comments. And you're right. I mean, Washington State, or was it, sorry, Washington DC voted over mm. the 90s for the Democrats forever. So, um, it was one of those sort of poor people don't drive cars moments, I think. I but, think so uh, too. Yeah. I do mm. your research before you make claims mm. like that. I mm. think it's astonishing. Look, just want to change the conversation um, and because we had a, we had an election in Australia this week that was kind of quite we... significant. Yeah, something happened in Queensland. Oh, you yes, might yes, remember yes. that. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. It's been such a big <laughs> week. You forgot. You actually forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it we too. forgot. <laughs> we, we were really into it at the time. It was three days ago. No, it's <laughs> so, so last week uh, or at the start this week. Now, the US election, of course, has been consuming our attention, but Queensland sure. has handed Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk a, th- a win for a third time. Did this mm. election result resonate federally? How do you view it? Um, no. I think it's really interesting. Does it say something about incumbency, coronavirus, hard borders? What's your analysis? Cold. It was just in, it was entirely as predicted uh, by yeah that Anastasia. I think her win was a bit stronger than people thought, but most people expected her to win. If you know, at, at worst, be reduced to a tiny minority, having to rely on one or two independents. Um, look, it, you know, she played that border issue well. I, I mean, personally, and I've been critical of her publicly, and I still am critical. I don't think often what is politically just because something successful politically doesn't make it right. 
And I'm, I'm in no doubt that you know, there was a lot, large degree of political motivation behind what uh, the Premier did with her borders. Yes, there was health advice, but I think the health advice was abused in cer- cer- certain circumstances, but it was done because it worked politically and that worked for her. So uh, she claims vindication on that front. You know, and, and it wasn't Victoria. I mean, what she did was enormously popular because you know Queensland society, like the rest of us, minus Victoria's functioned pretty well. You know, life's gone on as normal for a lot of people. Um, businesses have been open and things like that, so people were quite happy. A bit like what's happening in West Australia at the moment. You know, why open the borders? You, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm still going to work. So, and and the other thing that did it just as one of the LMP federal. MP said to me before the election, all the little old ladies, as he described them, who normally vote for us, have have gone to Anastasia because um, she makes them. She's made them feel safe. So yeah. it worked. It worked politically, and and she did well. And look, she's now a third term, first woman to win three elections. Mm. You know, absolute giant killer. Um, <laughs> in, 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 she's gone from the accidental that, premier to a later legend. She has. I mean, you should never forget what she I thought her most spectacular victory was the second one, you know, when she turned – or her first one, rather, when she turned Campbell Newman around in one term. That was quite yeah, incredible. Quite so, amazing. You know, credit, credit to her, but, you know. Um, but I think the other, the really other interesting thing out of Queensland which got covered a bit was what happened up in the north. So the, the Labor Party thought they were going to lose a bunch of seats around Rockhampton and Townsville and places like that. You know, those coal seats where it really yeah. swung against Shorten? And they held them all, and they held them all quite well. And that wasn't so much the border stuff. That was a very strong ground campaign that began the day after the federal election. Remember, Anastasia yeah. Palaszczuk came out and said, I love Adani. Yes, she did it pretty quickly, didn't she? She did whiplash. She turned around that quickly. And and the AWU and the uh, CFMU and the others, they worked hard up there. Um and it wasn't so much about, you know, coal is great, coal is great. It was respecting people for the jobs they were doing and the industries they were in. And this is where Joel Fitzgibbon's been going federally and we had that story last week where the two big unions had come down to Canberra and given the mm-hmm. uh, the PowerPoint presentation to the Labor caucus about that. They're not sort of necessarily saying we've got to dig more coal out of the ground, these sorts of things, but they're saying the reality is it's, you know, you can't stop it overnight. It will phase out eventually. And, and why it is phasing out, just be respectful of the people and... You know, don't talk down to them and, and, and so forth. And and so Palaszczuk managed to get that balance very, very right. If you like, like someone said, she managed to, you know, make those people feel respected and uh, whilst not alienating the, the voters in the southeast, you know, the, 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 left, the left voters down there. And one bloke I know was up there ha- handing out how to vote cards and he said, you know, it was just when he was doing it in the federal election, it was hostile. Yeah, mm. they just hated short and they hated Labor. And he said it was completely different on Saturday. But we've so often that, had that, haven't we, though, that sort of federal mm. state difference in terms of how Labor mm. is treated. I mean, you can't, you know, mm. the, the same rules don't apply. It doesn't actually work like that, does it, Phil? Oh, yeah, but in this case, I think, you know, because she was going to get tossed out. Before the coronavirus, Palaszczuk was... She was probably, gone. You know, yeah, she was in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and and those seats were very, you know, were pivotal. And 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 I can tell you, Anthony Albanese and the rest of them have have made reference to what happened in those seats and said that's what we have to do too. Yeah, um, and that's why you know they had this. Um, thing on gas a couple of weeks ago where the caucus had to agree on a, you know, yeah. on a sort of... Now, it's a lot harder for Albanese because he's not just balancing one state, he's balancing an entire nation. You know, you've got the voters in Melbourne and Sydney and other places who, who just don't like coal. So it's it's a much more unwieldy act for him. But that's that's the template they'll be trying to work on um, and notice he was up there this week. 
I don't um, think they've got it right yet. I think Joel Fitzgibbon is still mm. way out ahead yes, of many in yes. his party on, and some of the things he said yeah. on uh, RM Breakfast this last week were pretty out there, I thought. That's um, right, Fran, but for, you know, 32 of the sort of... You know, he just wants to make sure he gets heard. That briefing. No, that's you know, true. You know, for, for Joel, it's you know, principally about winning his seat, but 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 you know, nearly half the lower house caucus turned up at that meeting last week, mm. and uh, I, I sort of get the impression that probably the, the the Joel view, if you like, is now becoming the predominant one inside the caucus. Yeah, right. Um, you know, the sort of gas transition thing to renewables rather than Phil, just turn it all off overnight. Yeah. Just before we, we finish, the other important mm. thing up north I thought that struck me was the collapse of the One Nation vote. Yes. And Clive mm. Palmer, I mean, I think he got 11,500 votes altogether despite yeah, a good. massive spend. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly a, you know, on one way you could say, oh, this was a collapse of the, of the uh, minor party vote as the voters in a time of pandemic went for the majors. Mm. It wasn't exactly that because the Greens strengthened their vote. Catter Australia Party had a very good result. Mm. But Greens one went nation... went percent, yeah. One yeah, nation, you... what happened? Well, I think it was a combination. I think Palaszczuk out one nation to one nation with her border mm-hmm. thing <laughs> and oh, yeah. to keep, the, keep the Southerners out, that that worked. But also it was that what we're just talking about, about up in the cold seats because a lot, a lot of those voters left Labor at the federal election and went to one nation. I mean, in, in Hunter in Joel Fitzgibbon's seat, which is in New South Wales, he had a massive swing towards one nation away mm. from him. Yeah. So, again, I think it's a combination of, you know, Queensland first on, on the borders and, 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 the, um, and talking to the voters up in those, you know, those because those working class voters are not blue collar anymore. You know, they're not. You know, working class voters are migrant women. That's the that's now the big demographic for the working class. Blue collar people get paid too much to be called working working <laughs> class now. It has changed, and mm-hmm. and you know, Matt Canavan will tell you the high vis vote is colour blind. It, it will just go to whoever's going to look after it. Um, and you know, when Bill Shorten getting in trouble with that bloke who wanted his tax cut, and he was yeah. on two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars a year. I mean, it's you know, when's the last time you had a tradie come around to your house and you thought, gee, he was cheap, or well, she was cheap? You know, <laughs> what am I? I so, so it is. It is all. So, and those people go to One Nation, and they did, and uh, and they they've come back. And I think it's you know, the little old ladies who would have gone to the LNP or One Nation went to Anastasia Palaszczuk and so did. Uh, these blue collar workers. Geez, I wonder why they, they did I think too. The, I think the little old um, tourism operators, though, won't be sticking yes. with Labor if, if those borders aren't open no. by Christmas. There's no, got to be a and, lot and, of and I think, and look, and, and you know, and Gladys Berejiklian is right. I mean, we've got to start taking baby steps yes. and open up. But it's just, it is, it's, it's unfair what's happening to, to a lot of people. Just as I said, just because it wins an election doesn't make it right. Yeah. And no, no one was saying she had to open up willy-nilly to everyone and take massive risks, but there were clearly cases where, like that poor girl in the ACT, you know, who couldn't yes. bury her dad. Right now, after that, after that was highlighted, uh, the Premier then did but, open up to the ACT. Now, nothing changed materially. We had no case. We've still had no cases here forever, you know. Yeah. And that was, that was a political decision. Of course and, it is. Uh, and, but look, mm. Phil, the world's changing. I mean, Victoria, mm. we're recording this on a, on a Thursday morning, Victoria's recorded mm. zero coronavirus cases it's and good, zero deaths. Yeah, yeah of Woo-hoo. course it is. Sixth day in a row of no well new done, infections. PK. Exactly. But my well, point no, no, is... Another couple of hundred you'll catch us, PK. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, yeah, 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 smart ass. Uh, but, but my point is, I mean, it's getting ridiculous, right? Like Victoria is, I mean, we make the joke here, we, we want to close everyone else off now mm. because, you mm. know, clearly what looks like, like we've really got rid of this thing. Mm. At this stage, things can change. I'm not, you know, I'm not, yeah, not sure. being silly. But... There is now enormous pressure on Anastasia Palaszczuk, WA. You know, they, mm. they can't keep this going on forever. 
No, they can't. And, Santa and, and will you're speak. So, you're sort of where, yeah, well, exactly. You're, you're sort of where we were a few months ago. You know, we've we've had no cases forever. Why mm. are you locking us out? Um, you see, WA moved. Uh, he moved uh, McGowan you know, last week, didn't he? He's going to open up to the non-threatening states now. Nothing has changed with South Australia, ACT, Tasmania, Queensland, with regards to WA in the last few months. You know, so again, it's it's a political, it's a politically driven decision. He's coming under pressure. Sentiment is changing in WA. Let's give the Premier some slack. You know, I think the best thing now is all the elections are gone. We've only got a West Australian election in March next year. Other than that, the next election in this country probably won't be to 2022. So I'm hoping, you know, all, all that all that sort of parochialism and nonsense sort of gets squeezed out of the system and, and, and health-based advice is all that matters again. And... Uh, you know, and we can get this hotspot system going. Hot, hot, you know, definition of hotspot. So there is another outbreak in Melbourne or Sydney or Adelaide or somewhere. You just sort of shut off to that area. Yep. Don't shut off the whole state again because you know we're just going to have to get on with it. We mm. need to get on with it. That's right. Hey, Phil, mm. always a pleasure to have you in the party room. See ya. See you guys. See you, Phil, friend of the party room. And that's it for the party room for this week. It's been quite quite full, Fran. Got a bit to talk about, hasn't it? Um, look, if you have any questions for us, we haven't gotten to your questions this week, but we will next week. Just send them to the party room at abc.net.au. And of course, you can also find us on Twitter where we hang out. We certainly do. That's it. See you, PK. See you, Fran. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.